0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 232 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. The coffee is working, and I'm so glad you're here today. Today on the show, my guest is Melissa Halke. She's the creative manager and designer at the American Institute of Chemical Engineers. Oh, yeah, they need design work for sure. During this episode, we talk about how she's been in the game For over 20 years now, slang some sweet design work. We talk about how street art and graffiti were early inspirations to her. She also shares with us the print magazine cover that was really influential to her. And then we talk about criticism. And we talk about how to handle criticism when the client literally rips up your design work in your face. Literally rips it up. What do you do? How do you handle that one? Now, Melissa is from New York and she tells us about the New York Sustainability Plan project that she was a part of and why she is so proud to have been a part of that. That and so much more in this episode. So ladies and gentlemen, without further delay from me, my guest, Melissa Halki. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So are you ready for a Quickie?
0: Melissa, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you today? Great. Awesome. Great to hear. First, I have to ask you, are you ready for a Quickie?
1: I am so ready for a quickie, Dave.
0: Perfect. Well, let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself.
1: So my name is Melissa Halka. I am a graduate of the School of Visual Arts. I'm a native New Yorker, and I've been a graphic designer for 20 plus years.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So you've been in the game.
1: Been in the game for a minute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Been in the game for a minute. I like that. (laughs) Perfect. So give me like a quick little 60-second how you got to where you are now, like, are you sort of the job list protocol? Like, what did you work your way through?
1: So I started in editorial design, and I found nice. that that was kind of too rigid and too structured. So I mm-hmm. wanted to branch out and got naturally into marketing and advertising cool. and worked for companies, uh, financial companies like Cantor Fitzgerald, JP Morgan, and mm-hmm. then transitioned to oh, travel industry, such as Wear Magazine, and um, then naturally found myself in um uh, government, a government agency, a non-for-profit, and then has land, have landed in the non-for-profit that I'm currently at. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And how long have you been there?
1: For about five years.
0: Well, five years now. So you're mm-hmm. stamping a claim on that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Forever. so Melissa, I want to kick this back to childhood. I'll just, I want to hear a little history on how we got into this spot. Do you feel you had a creative childhood that led you to this career path?
1: So I grew up in Queens, and Queens is a very diverse borough, so I felt like I really had the influence of uh, the culture there with the different languages and the food and the community, but not a traditional like art background. The only time that I really started to notice design and wanting to get into it was when I was in high school. At that time, there was a lot of graffiti, and the street art was very um, big in New York City, so seeing it everywhere and just being amazed by it all. And then a high school art teacher being like, oh, you have something and you should really apply to art school because I had no idea what I was going to do. And she, she she did suggest a school of visual arts and that's where I ended up going.
0: Very so, cool. So yeah. she saw that you had this creative talent. Um sort of ushered you in that direction or suggested you go in that direction. Yeah. Thank goodness. You, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Did you have any other family members around or anybody who was in that design or art space that could sort of guide you and talk to you about that? Or was it just this teacher connection?
1: Yeah, it was just that teacher connection.
0: Awesome. Okay. So You also said that street art and graffiti was sort of a big influence early on to you. Mm -hmm. How many buildings have you tagged, Melissa?
1: Uh, No, not me.
0: (laughs) 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 Just thought I'd check, just asking. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to report it, just curious. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of influential design, Mm -hmm. I want to now ask you what has been, how should I word this one? We'll do this way. What has been the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you saw, maybe it was one of the street art pieces, one of the graffiti pieces, maybe something else, something that you saw and it's just stuck with you since.
1: So I don't know if it was just one piece, definitely the street art and seeing that every day and then going into the city and, and experiencing that life. Mm-hmm. I just remember seeing I think it was um, a cover of print magazine that was very simplistic that had a pencil on it and a post-it note that said mom and dad this is what I do and that was the cover (laughs) of print magazine and for me I was like wow that really resonates with me because I tried to explain what I'm studying to my family and friends and they're just not getting it so Mm -hmm. for me that kind of hit home
0: So did you actually take that magazine cover to your parents and just be like, look at this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I tried.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what, that is something that I hear quite a bit actually, is Mm -hmm. unless there is a family member who has shown the parents, whether it's an aunt or an uncle or whatever, who is in that design illustration space, making a living off of that. Mm Mm-hmm. With some parents, it's really hard to get the support behind it to pursue that direction.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, you know, if you're not open to that world, it's really hard to wrap your head around
0: it. Definitely, right? Mm -hmm. And and just understanding that you can make a living creating these awesome things. Right. And I really think that that is the biggest concern behind a parent's thought of like, what about like a nurse or a doctor, or a lawyer, like those careers. Right. Which, you know, are. The, tra- uns-
1: the traditional path. Traditional
0: right? path. Yes, exactly. So um, did you eventually get them to turn around?
1: Yeah, I think they get it now. <laughs>
0: Twenty years later, I think they're <laughs> awesome, um, Melissa. Who are some of the designers and some of the brands that you look up to and closely follow, and what about them do you like?
1: Well, I don't really follow too many designers because I don't like to be influenced by somebody else's work. I mm-hmm. look uh, through some Instagram here and there, but I usually look at uh, Pentagram is one of the agencies that I follow a lot. Mm-hmm. They're just so amazing with all of the different collateral that, and the, the use of the topography. And they're always innovating uh, how to do uh, topography and um just coming up with just innovative ways to get that message across, whether it's in real estate design or for, you know, cosmetics or just uh, the public theater here in New York. It's always, they always seem to amaze me. So I look to them as a benchmark as an aspire to them. So um, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the public theater work that mm-hmm. they do because when I interviewed Paula Lachaire, mm-hmm. it was this—that was one of the projects that we talked a lot about and talked in depth about—is yeah. um, the work that they've done for that public theater and what it has done for the theater.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing that it just came into the scene and then now it's so recognizable. It's uh, that's what good design does, right? It's it, it invokes some passion within that person that they want right. to be a part of it. They want to look at it, experience it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Being a part of it. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. So Melissa, I have to get in to some of the tough stuff. Okay. I've got a few questions here that um, take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned mm-hmm. some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners After that, we'll turn it around. We'll finish up in a happy place. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go. (laughs) Melissa, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it?
1: So, um, I think the most challenging time has been working with... um, people that don't necessarily understand uh, the uh, bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging uh, to work with that person and get to that place of um, where you want the design to be. So without getting giving any specifics or any names, right, Mm -hmm. there was an occasion that um, me and my team were working on a logo design and trying to go and explain to the client why the the changes that they were asking for were not going to work why they weren't going to d- transition into different medium you know and really it was a roller coaster and those situations are always really draining and are very tough spots I feel in any designer's career but Mm -hmm. once you get through it and there's a lot of compromises I think you you have to make and sometimes you have to let them go and not have them affect you later on and your creativity
0: yeah Mm -hmm. so that's that's an interesting point that you you bring up and you mention as well because it it kind of ties into the ask it forward question at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to get into that yet. Okay. Um, so when you're working in that environment with that team, creating this thing, and you feel that this design solution that you have created with your team is exactly what's going to solve their problem, right? How do you handle? the negative, maybe it's not negative, but the the changes that are being requested when you and your team feel that that takes it from solving a problem to now no longer representing and solving that problem?
1: I think you have to take a step back and not make it so personal and make sure that you're servicing the client, but then still uh, staying true to yourself and your design and really try to get the message across like, you know, we kind of know what we're doing here. You have to put your faith in us and Mm -hmm. try to make a little bit of a compromise too. So if they compromise, you can compromise. And in the end, more times than not, a resolution will be met where both of the people are happy. So I've been lucky that I haven't had to throw up my hands and just walk out of the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And just walk away. I had it. (laughs) Yeah, that's enough. You don't get it
1: yeah
0: so was this was this a recent one or was this a while back?
1: It was within the uh, last couple of months, yes.
0: Okay, yeah so then how do you navigate that you know obviously you want to come to a resolution you want to solve you know mm-hmm. still solve the problem yet appease the customer because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, they're the customer right Right. So you have to find this balance and how do you move on and forget that? Once the project is done and it's wrapped up, you're not entirely pleased, but you're okay with how it went. Do you just forget about it and on to the next one or is it does it linger and bother you a bit?
1: Well, I think you have to, because otherwise it's going to zap your creativity for other stuff and you mm-hmm. need to have another creative outlet, whether it's like, you know, uh, working on your own stuff, whether you're painting or you're coming up with uh, your own digital artwork or you're filming or f- taking photographs or even going for mm-hmm. a run, whatever your your process is, you have to move past it because you can't let them zap your creativity for something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in your <clears throat> in your design career, has there been any spots of self-doubt of what the next move should be on um, what the next right step should be?
1: I think uh, early on when I was in editorial design and I was really just <clears throat> not happy with that structure. And I just Mm -hmm. felt too caged, uh, looking at what, what else was out there for me to create, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that trying, uh, trying to figure that out as a younger person, and as also um, back then, when things weren't so um, in your face, or so accessible for you to just go online and and figure it out, and have that community um, to to help you with that. I think that was a part where I was, okay, what's the next step here? Should I be doing this? Uh, you know, what would I be doing if not this? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it thankful you never found an answer to that? So here you are still in design and enjoying it?
1: Yeah, I did find an answer. I figured I did not want to want to be in editorial design, so then I did switch over and I just merged into um, you know doing logos and you know collaborating co- collaborating with other designers and just naturally mm-hmm. its organically fell into this, yeah.
0: So when you made that move from editorial design directly into that logos and almost more more visual branding side mm-hmm. of things. Right. Was that the spark you were looking for or, or when that you weren't finding in editorial?
1: Yeah. I yeah, definitely. Because um, like I said, editorial for me and not for everybody, it was just too too structured for me, too much mm-hmm. too much of a grid. And so I mean, I, you know, editorial design from back in the day, like there was Ray Gun Magazine with David Carson, and he came and he broke the grid and all of that deconstruction of the typefaces, and that was great, and everybody lost their minds, right? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, and that was definitely, you know, a, a change that was exciting, but then everybody was doing it, right? Yeah. So, for me, it was, I wanted more, um, more control out of of my work and my designs and what I could produce.
0: Definitely. And, you know, when you were early on in your career in that editorial space, you're right. Like it Mm -hmm. was pretty rigid. Like this is the space you have to work with. Put your type in. Yeah. (laughs) And, And you're right. Breaking that mold. And it's almost like that is now that's now the case with all magazines like there's almost none that follow us a, st- a, a stereotypical like magazine format they're all mm-hmm. unique in their own right, right right So, like you said that mm-hmm. um so melissa i want to get a little bit more specific now and i want to ask about a specific design or project that you were a part of mm-hmm. that just did not go well maybe it was a boardroom presentation that didn't go well client feedback that stung um I want to hear about that project. What was that like? How did that feel?
1: Well, I think that whenever you get negative feedback, it doesn't feel great, right? Because you're Mm -hmm. thinking that, oh, man, this thing is amazing that I created. I think it's the cat's pajamas and uh, everybody's going to love it. But, you know, when you do go into that meeting and you present, there was a time that I did present a logo. And at that time, it was just very loose. You know, there was no boards and it wasn't on screen. It was just printouts because it was very Rough, and the person picked it up and basically was like, No, I don't think so, and just ripped it in half, you know. Which, (laughs) you know, I guess uh,
0: there has to be another way to explain that rather than,
1: (laughs) you know, and I guess I was just in shock. I just didn't even think about it until later, and I was like, Well, that was pretty insulting, (laughs) yeah. So, but back to the drawing board, so it's just, um. Yeah, I think that you have to you have to fight for your design, but you also have to like not let those things get you down because mm-hmm. then you'll never be able to push through and be like, well, you didn't like that one. What about this one? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's also at a point where you where you can't just show something and say this looks nice and I think it fits. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, there has to be. A reason behind each of them, right? There has to be a story behind a suggested design solution. Right. Um, when you said, you know, they just picked it up and ripped it in half, um, I've recently been listening to the audiobook for Steve Jobs and just hearing how he would walk into meetings, look at something, and just look at everything and be like, this is all shit. It sucks. <laughs> and walk out. And I went, I was sort of like putting myself in one of those seats. Like how, how do you handle that? And how do right. you move past that?
1: Yeah. It's very hard when they don't give when somebody doesn't give you create like feedback to go off of, like, yes. I don't like it. I don't like what the color, the font, the, um, the, the, the image, like, what don't you like, you know, that's what we designers really need, uh, of the, from the clients is that collaboration. Like we could just say, well, we don't like it, but we need specifics in order for us to do our jobs and to so- solve that problem.
0: A hundred percent, like coming in and just saying, no, it sucks. And yeah. That's it. Like that gives you nothing, nothing, nothing to work with. Right. You almost need some, some guidance because you can't, you can't read their mind. You can't, right. you, you don't know what they're thinking and maybe they just don't like the color red and you've right. got red.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Melissa, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now?
1: I think the biggest part has been, um, Going from in office to virtual, the mm-hmm. for me, the collaboration amongst my designers and my team has been uh, trying. We have been really successful in doing that transition, but I do miss the collaborative, uh, being an artist, going over, sketching something out, correcting a sketch, you know, pick, looking at the Pantone book, you know, and that whole like brainstorming sessions. It's not the same virtually. Mm -hmm. We do have brainstorming sessions, but yeah, it's not the same. So that's something that personally, as a designer, I'm missing in my soul.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you there, especially with the brainstorming and collaboration aspect of it, because, you know, for so many years, the home environment was our way to unplug mm-hmm. and to refresh. But now we're home, our kids are either homeschool or not in or, um, or doing like working remotely as well. Like, it's just a weird situation. So now you're forced to do the work that you would usually do out of home in the home with all of the other stuff that usually goes on in the home. Right. And it's not that it's interrupting all the time. Sometimes it is, but it's not that it's that it, it feels different. You're you're in a different mindset when you're in this space versus like an actual office space where the, this space is meant for collaboration. This is meant for us to teamwork on things. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's just a strange thing to try and adjust to.
1: Yeah, that that has been the hardest thing right now
0: to adjust I, to. I definitely don't think you're alone there, yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> okay, Melissa, I'm going to turn this bus around here. I want you now to tell us about a project that you were a part of that you are the most proud of, one mm-hmm. that just makes your heart sing.
1: So I was a part of, so Sandy happened in New York in about 2012. That was like the big hurricane that like devastated New York City. Mm -hmm. And um, I was a part of uh, the New York Economic Development Corporation. They put together this, basically the standard for sustainability plan for New York City. And I Mm -hmm. was a part of putting that together. And it was a great uh, opportunity experience because I worked with so many different people that I've never worked with before. I worked with photographers and journalists and private sector people and copywriters and like five different designers working on this um Present well, book and presentation, and uh, uh, people who make map, maps, cartographers, right? So, mm-hmm. just that col- going back to that collaborative environment and working on something that would eventually then be basically a guideline for New York City, my hometown, to be mm-hmm. like okay, this devastating thing happened to our city, people lost their lives, businesses and homes were ruined. But this is our plan going forward. So being part of that was uh, just amazing. And the design was uh, amazing, too. So,
0: so this was a sustainability plan that everybody collaborated on for post uh, Hurricane Sandy,
1: right? Right?
0: What did the plan entail? Like, what are some of the, the the points on this?
1: So it was the plan of uh, sustainability of how we can make our shores, uh, you know, if something happened like that again, how the water would not... you know the uh, warden would not meet at uh, like in Rockaway. You have the the bay on one side and the ocean on the other, and then they met in um, I think it's for a Channel. So it was st- uh, um, uh, items like that. It was sustainability as far as the downtown location in Wall Street, where a lot of the buildings got flooded, and all of mm-hmm. their um, um, like their their systems were in the basement, moving them to the top floor. So just all of uh, that all of those plans was to make New York stronger and make their people stronger. So The it was very uh, challenging because you had to take all of this information and all of these infographics and create all the infographics and charts and make it very dynamic so that it wasn't a boring government read. Right. So (laughs) so it was uh, it was it was really well done and it was it was a great project to work on.
0: So it's taking non-sexy information and making Not- it sexy.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is the job you were assigned. Yes. Perfect. That's a cool one. My um, in-laws actually were in New York, had a vacation booked and trip booked, that, um, where they arrived in, I think it was like two or maybe a week after Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm like they had it booked yeah. so they still went on the trip but they were telling us about how down in south on the island there was basically subway stations full to the top the stairs at yeah. the street level yeah we just couldn't i was like i couldn't believe it
1: yeah there was like boats and streets and stuff and it was pretty crazy for new york you know it's not something that you ever expect
0: no exactly it's pretty rare
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Wild. Well, Melissa, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. Okay. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest, and then you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. Okay. I'm not going to tell you who they are, <laughs> but you can ask them anything. So, saying that, my last guest was Jeffrey Everett. He works for the NIH and also does a freelance and has his own business called Rockets Are Red. Creative. So he wanted to ask you, and I'm just going to explain this just a little bit here. So if you think of sort of this spectrum on one side, you've got, you know, Ogilvy and you've got this really creative, sometimes corporate, but but okay. unique design solutions for each customer and their their brand and their problem. Right. And then on the other side of that, you've got shepherd fairy and his style and if you go get work with shepherd fairy you know what you're getting you know the style it's his style Mm -hmm. and that's the design solutions that he provides so first part of that is where do you fall on that spectrum on that that two sides of things if there's olga v corporate and unique design solutions for each customer and hardcore this is my style on one end where do you Mm -hmm. fall in that
1: I think I tend to fall more towards the uh, the the corporate or and and having a solution for each customer because Mm -hmm. of um, the different experiences I've had working in the financial financial institutions and also in um, the government that I just referenced. So um, and currently uh, where I am now, I think that each each Thing has Each product has its own personality. Mm-hmm. So you try to match it to there and just try to make the design and the message as clean and deliverable as possible to the end consumer. Because if you're distilling a lot of information, you need to have it clean and
0: mm-hmm.
1: concise. Yeah.
0: Definitely. And that that echoes sort of the... The way that you have produced design for these different nonprofits and government agencies, and, and when you've been in that world, they each need to have their own design solution, and it can't always necessarily be in Melissa's style.
1: Right. Right. Got it. That's where you 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 do your own thing outside. So there's like mm-hmm. two different. There's two different Melissas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So in in what areas of design or where do you think there is a fit for somebody who would go to a shepherd Fairy or somebody like that with their own unique style knowing that with their design problem the solution is going to come back in that person's style like without a doubt there's going to be their style woven in where does where does that fit what kind of job what kind of customers looking for that
1: I think uh, the client that is looking for that or the customer is looking for that is somebody who knows uh, that style and who wants to be adventurous and wants to make a statement instead of, you know, just delivering um, maybe something a little bit more uh, corporate. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that. You know, it's not to say that a nonprofit can't go there, but you have to have a lot of you have to have a lot of buy in from the board of directors to do something like that. Yeah. So, and that's usually the uh, the rub, right? That you a lot like nine out of ten people want to go in one direction, and the other person doesn't.
0: So, yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. I, I like how the one thing that you said was make a statement, somebody Mm -hmm. who wants to make a statement. And I think that fits really well. Mm -hmm. So Melissa, what is your ask it forward question for my next guest?
1: So I would ask them, what would their advice be to someone who is a recent graduate or a profe- uh, a new pro- professional entering the field of design? Like, what would be their tidbit of information they would give them to help them in their starting their career?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that one, um, Melissa. What's your yeah. advice for that person? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that um, just to you know try to hook up with other artists as much as possible, you know go to as much free well now will be online webinars and just try to really get out there as much as you can uh, to be seen and the collaboration process is so important because that's where you I feel you have your best work, you know, you're, it's just like you, you, uh, you get all this energy from other people. And uh, yeah, that would be my advice.
0: Collaboration (laughs) and and free stuff. A hundred (laughs) percent. Like Adobe max was free this year. Um, Design thinkers is coming up from the RGD. Um, I know there's been a few AIGA events, like there's lots of free stuff going on. And even when, now that those events have passed, and online, you can still find the videos that from that recording or, right. or from what it was and, and consume that. Yeah. Um, so, so I agree with that. There's a lot of free stuff out there to get.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Melissa, you survived and you made it to the end of the quickie podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been great. getting Thank to you know Thank so you so much, Dave. It was great. All right. All right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, everybody for listening and hanging out here with us. If you're digging what you're hearing here on the Quickie Podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this, and leave a rating and a review. I've had a few more added in this week. Man, they make me feel good. Make me smile, you know? Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.